Hello and welcome to the Player to Coach podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hill, and alongside me, my co-host, good friend, former teammate, Jordan Alexander. Um, Jordan just got back from a a little bit of a Midwest trip, uh, which is fun because I got to go out there and get to go see Bushnell play uh, a little bit. And then a um, quick turnaround for you guys, get back to Oregon and then uh, roll out to Oregon State to go play against them. Uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about your your guys' trip and then to come back and and uh, really put up a good fight against a, a good D1 program. Yeah, uh, our trip out to Indiana, we were invited to play in the Crossroads Cascade Classic as the first year of it. Um, so a couple of the best conferences in the country. Um, got to have a couple of games out there. Uh, we dropped both games. Um played against arguably one of the best point guards in the country again in Bethlehem University um, and then played against a top five team in the country in Grace College so um, I think it kind of let us know where we're at which is really good um, you know we're not we weren't playing cupcakes out on that trip um, and got to you know see what we need to do um, if we want to be in the national tournament at the end of the year um, so that was good uh crazy travel schedule kind of getting there and getting back um, it's not easy to get from Oregon to Indiana um, so it was long days time change all that kind of stuff but um, still well worth it really glad that we were able to do that um, not the results we wanted but still a lot to learn from it um, and then yeah like you said we came back uh, on Sunday had about a 14-15 hour travel day um, and then 48 hours later had to play an exhibition game over at Oregon State um, and we really gave them a game. Um, I think we learned a lot about ourselves on the Indiana trip and kind of put it into action literally two days later, um, down seven at halftime, um, ended up losing by 17. But, um, yeah, it was really fun. We arguably had the best player on the court that night. Um, and so that's really cool. That was a fun experience. Um, you don't get to experience that stuff every single year um, at our level. Um, playing against Division One schools, um, but it was great. It was a counting game for them. Didn't count for us, but uh, yeah, that was really fun. Gave them a good game. That's sweet. Um, do you, you sense any sort of like them getting frustrated that they couldn't put you guys away sooner? Do you guys notice that at all? Or is it kind of uh, you get to see that they're also getting to work on all of their stuff as well and just kind of get to see that process. Did you notice any sort of nervousness or like, come on, like, why why can't we put these dudes away? Um, I think there was maybe a little bit of frustration. Um, it's it's hard to know, like, if that's because they think they should be putting us away or um, if they're just not playing well. Um, obviously, it's a counting game for them. So, um, you know that that win or loss goes on their record um so there's like that built-in pressure from that um i don't know if they were expecting us to give them the game that we did um so maybe that was a little bit of it it was hard goal um it was one of our goals to make them call the first timeout um but uh yeah we went quite a ways without a timeout being called uh, except for the medias and uh yeah it was i think it was maybe just shocking for them um, but they ended up pulling away. They got up by 27 at one point, and then we closed the game on a 10-0 run to make it uh, under 20 and get it to 17, which is – that's a win for us, um, honestly, in that situation. So um, I think they were thoroughly impressed. Um, comments just from coaches after the game 
Um, and I think it does things for them at their level. And I'm not going to speak for Division One teams and how they think about things, but I think in those types of games, you're looking for a team like us to come in and kind of make you work on things, but at the same time, get a win out of it. And I think we kind of did that. Like they didn't blow us out of the water by 40, 50 points. Um, we didn't beat them. So it doesn't really look bad for them, um, but they still got to work on stuff. It's not like their end of the bench guys were playing throughout the course of the game. Um, they had to put, stick to the rotation and play the rotation. Um, so I think we kind of gave them what they were looking for. Um, which was really good. Mm, that's sweet. Um, I don't know how much truth there was to this, but um, before I got to um, Bushnell, formerly known as Northwest Christian, before I got there, um, you uh, and you were on this team where you guys got to play against Oregon State and Oregon in the preseason and get to kind of see both of those. Uh, while I was there, I think both years we got to go uh, to go play against Oregon and then um, – didn't get to, I didn't get the chance to be on that, that Oregon state floor and get to see that there was rumors that possibly that game uh, was canceled on the Oregon state end um, by, you know, a little bit of fear that we might actually put them away uh, with the team that we had um, my freshman year, uh, your, your junior year. Um, so, you know, you never know, you never know what's actually true or not, but you know, I heard some rumors. Um, <laughs> we, we, we had the talent, I think to do so. Well, hey, I think, um, you know, obviously, like, so my sophomore year before you got there, when we played at Oregon State, we ended up winning conference that year, and we went to the Sweet 16. So, like, we were coming off of a good year if we were to go back to Oregon State that next season. So, sometimes I would venture to guess that maybe that plays a role, you know what I mean? Um, we've had exhibitions in recent years with, like, some Division two schools where, we have given them a really good game and um, taken them to overtime. And a lot of teams from our conference beat Division II schools. And so sometimes, like, those schools don't want to ask you back because they're not trying to take an L in those situations. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. When a, when a school is paying you to come play and you take a loss, um, like that school that's paying you takes a loss, that's, that's not really a good look. And that's um, – yeah, that's two negatives right there. <laughs> so now you now you're giving money and you're you know gaining a loss on your record. So oh yeah, that's a that is a bad situation. That is a hard one uh, to recover from, I would think. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so last week put out a video that we were able to record uh, several weeks ago. Uh, wanted to kind of wait a little bit closer to the season to kind of give you guys a different form of content than what we've normally done on the podcast. And if you haven't seen uh, the video yet, it's up on all of our social media and on uh, Instagram. It's up on TikTok. It's also up on YouTube. Um, but we, uh, buddy of mine, your brother-in-law, who is awesome on the camera, um, great with film editing and all that good stuff, uh, was able to mic up you and um, head coach Eddie. Uh, for one of your guys' practices and uh, get to kind of see what it looks like live um, and a little bit of an inside look about what a college would look like uh, or a college practice would look like. Um, how was that experience for you? I don't know if you've ever been mic'd up before and in kind of that situation. Um, did you notice yourself thinking about there being a camera there at all? Or was it just, hey, business as usual, I just happen to have a little bit of a mic on me? Uh, for me, it's usually business as usual. 
Uh, I think part of that is because I don't really care what people think. I'm just going to be me. Um, yeah, I, that was really fun. Um, I think it does kind of give a glimpse to people and players um, of what it could look like. And every school is different. Like coaches are different and coach and player interactions are different. I mean, um, I think the the edit that was made, obviously we're not showing like what we're running on offense and um, everything on defense and this is um, end of game sideline out of bounds play number right. one that we're going to run. Hey, make sure you're filming this. Right. So like, you're not, you're not getting to see all of that necessarily. Um, also like we're not trying to put any players or coaches on blast on there. So like if a guy's getting chewed out, you know, we kind of want to maybe refrain from putting that out there on social media, but that's the stuff you don't see that happens, right? Like people know that people can assume that that stuff happens. Um, but yeah, it's just fun to um, kind of be able to give a sneak peek as to like what a college practice could look like, especially for us. Um, we have a lot of teaching moments, I think, in our practices. Um, and I don't know how that compares to other people. Obviously, you know, there's time and place for um, practices to have a lot more talking. Um, but we also have practices where it's like, hey, we're just going to play a lot today. Um, a lot of drill work where there isn't as much teaching. Um, sometimes, you know, if we're working on like a scout, maybe there's a lot more talk um, because we got to talk through things, how we're going to guard things, what we're going to be doing offensively against this team. Um, so there's just like a wide variety of different types of practices. Um, and if there was another practice to be filmed, it could be completely different than what you saw. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun opportunity. Um, hope people enjoyed it. Um, look forward to doing that again at some point and everything. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I hope on some levels it was cool for some people to get an inside look, um, about, you know, it, like you said earlier, you guys didn't go into anything that was too, was too wild to like, look, I'm like, oh my gosh, like a, a college program is doing this. It's all pretty, pretty, um, generally known stuff and i i hope some of that is a little bit like cool to see but i hope on some levels for some people to not have any idea about what a college basketball practice looks like we've talked about this on the podcast but it'd be like oh that's just like i've done that at my high school like i've done that at like wherever i've played before just to yeah. kind of show that like while yes basketball can be a very very complicated game and there's lots of nuances to it like it's also pretty similar um on yeah. every level and there's a lot of there's a lot of general concepts there's lots of um general teaching points that every single program can use and can help every single team so it's one of those things yeah. where it's like it's you know while it is obviously very helpful and there's different teaching points and there's different standards held um for different programs but it's for the most part really similar stuff so i hope on some levels pretty surprising and on some levels it was pretty revealing that oh like i is what I do now, or I've seen this before and um, pretty revealing how not different it is <laughs> on the college. Yeah, level. I agree. I, I think you kind of put it in a really good way. And I know we've had an episode on this, like from our first season a long time ago about practice, but you honestly, like me and you both know um, there's not a ton different that maybe you do in a practice, like as far as drills go. Right. And you hear a lot of people talk about this, players, coaches, 
um, everyone. The, the biggest difference from like the high school jump to college is like the speed and athleticism of the game. And that even change that even varies by level in college, right? Like yeah. there's a difference between like high level division one speed and athleticism to NAI level. Um, a lot of times like the skill work isn't different. And, you know, in a lot of cases, like the skill work and the skills that players have is even maybe better at lower levels because you have to rely on that stuff more. Um, but a lot of the same, like we have players that come to our program and they've done a lot of those drills before. I think the other thing that's very different sometimes is verbiage and how things are communicated um, and concepts like that stuff maybe isn't always talked about um, in high school, depending on who your coach is and where, what, where basketball has taken them before. I know me and you learned a lot from um, coach Luke, him having like NBA experience. We learned a lot of terminology and verbiage and concepts that he brought down from like, power five level at Oregon and the NBA level so um, I think that stuff has helped like me and you for example with how we coach and communicate with players and maybe that's not stuff that high schoolers have heard before but as far as like the actual drills go a lot of it's not that different um, so yeah yeah I uh, to add one more point I think two other kind of differentiators I experienced was just um the attention to detail is so much higher on the college level yeah. where, you know, you think about like a basic shell defensive drill, like in high school, you're pretty happy if just all your players are in position. Like that's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good setup there. And, and, you know, you only have so much time. Um, but another thing on like the high school level where like you, it feels like just about everybody gets pretty similar or, or even equal on the court time even if you're the last guy on the bench, that's not the same case on the college level um, towards the beginning yeah. of the year, obviously you want to see what you have. And so, you know, everyone's getting up and down, everyone's learning everything. But uh, like, for instance, I, I redshirt my first year or most of my first year. And then second year, uh, I really didn't play hardly much at all. So like in the middle of the season, when we're preparing for another game throughout the week and we install something new, why would I touch the court? <laughs> you know yeah. like and and not that I shouldn't touch it at all but it's like I need to be like I stood on the sideline for a good 40 45 minutes of practice like literally doing no activity other than I'm having to learn what we're installing just by watching the starters and like high rotation guys get it so I, I think that's a big difference maker as well where high school everyone's getting on the floor everyone's got to learn but um I also have the expectation in, in the college level that like for whatever reason, if coach Luke has to reach down to guy number 14 or 15 to come grab me to come in, I need to be ready and know that, but yeah. I haven't touched the practice floor a week other than opening drills that kind of get warmed up and kind of get into it. Or if I'm like a scout uh, playing that scout role, you know, like, Hey, yeah. this guy likes to really jack up a lot of shots, go ahead and turn into that person. Um, but yeah, for the most part, there's, there's practices where I, I hardly did anything. And it was like, I didn't yeah. even break a sweat today. Like I need to go do something afterwards. So I think that's another big um, difference on the college level, just because the attention to detail is so much higher. And then, um, and a lot of this depends on um, your conference schedule and how you play, but uh, maybe a little bit more attention to rest days and when you guys are going live and not. So a lot of different factors, but I think those are two other, um, pretty important differences from the high school to college and, you know, 
Uh, obviously that extends itself, you know, the higher up uh, college level you get as well. But um, yeah, two other differences there. I can um, really appreciate, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I can really appreciate that you just said what you said, because that's a conversation that isn't the easiest to hear as a player when that's kind of your role on a team. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Okay. So especially if you're a guy that was kind of like the guy in high school um, and that has never been your role before. Um, I experienced that for a good chunk of my freshman year too, before I kind of got into the rotation. And I would say, you know, I was fringe rotation, like my, my sophomore year um, quite a bit, like some games I'd play a couple minutes, some games I'd play like 20 minutes. Right. So I, I know what you mean um, from experience too. Um, but that can be a tough conversation to have as a coach and tough conversation to hear as a player, um, just from like experience now, like being a college coach, um, that's like the definition of being a superstar in your role, right? Like that's probably a lot easier for you to understand now than it was in the moment. Um, even though you'd like push yourself to, you know, try to be that, be okay with that in that moment too. Um, but we have guys that are on scout team right now and, um, that can be tough, but every week, sometimes they even have a tougher job than our rotation players because every week they have to learn another team's offense and what they're doing. So they have to change their mindset or their thought process constantly, right? Constantly. For sure. Um, and that's not always something that you're maybe prepared for coming out of high school, even if it's communicated with you throughout a recruiting process, um, you don't really know until you're doing it. Um, so I can appreciate like you saying that I can appreciate those guys. And it's, those guys are definitely important, if not more important, um, sometimes like on a college roster. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. For sure. Yep. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, like you said, you know, anybody who played, um, or even was on a college basketball team was top one or two on their high school and um, probably got all the minutes and had a little bit larger of a leash than, than other players and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, there's always a moment of, yeah, what, what are you willing to actually sacrifice to like help make this team better? And uh, for yeah. a lot of, for a lot of people, it's going to be their ego. That's, that's a tough thing to kind of feed into because you want to yeah. be, you want to be the the freshman that gets more playing time than most freshmen do at your school. And you want to, you know, you want to have that, but um, it's just not always the situation. And then there's a, there's a balance of competitiveness of, yeah, when I play, I want to be the one competing, but also I'm trying to win. And I can see that that dude is better than I am. So like, if I'm yeah. really trying to win, then like, it's hard to, it's hard to say as a competitor, but also I'm still trying to win, you know? So like that guy should probably be playing. Um, yeah. But yeah. And it's honestly, I, I think that kind of made, uh, that was a little bit of a, um, gave me a lot of time to think obviously, cause I was on the sideline, but um, a lot of time to uh, kind of develop a coach's brain as well, because you have to be able to learn and do stuff without showing it. And I agree. Um, and as a player, you know, you're always kind of told, Hey, don't, don't tell me what, you know, like show me, like, I don't like, that's kind of a, a common thing that coaches would say to their players. Like, I don't, I don't care what your like verbal answer is show me that you understand or show me that, you know, but as a coach, you can't do that. 
So you have to, yeah. you have to be able to learn on the fly. You have to be able to watch and analyze and do all of that from the sideline because obviously you're a coach. So it's, it's a, it's a good wake up call and it's a good way to really challenge yourself mentally to be able to learn stuff on the fly and not have that, that uh, physical repetition to be able to kind of reinforce that in your brain. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we can move on to, uh, there's there's a few interesting stories in the NBA. The one that I just recently like this literally happened last night, and by the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be old news. But um, did you see the clip of Giannis trying to get extra free throws up? I believe he shot four mm-hmm. for fifteen from the free throw line. Um, mm-hmm. and then after the game against Philly, uh, he's trying to get some extra free throws up. It looks like mm-hmm. some of this uh stadium members are trying to i'm not sure what they're doing up on the ladder but they had something on the backboard to go get or whatever um he wasn't incredibly thrilled that they were blocking or that uh they were blocking his hoop and so he kind of threw the ladder montrez came out kind of stole the basshole from him kind of a weird situation um did you see that and i'm curious what your initial reaction was yeah um i saw it for sure um my initial reaction was I never seen Giannis be like that because <laughs> I feel like he's known as like a nice guy. Oh, yeah. um, my second reaction is don't do that on the away team's floor and then you're good. Um, like avoid that situation. Um, and if I would, I don't know. I think Montrez Harrell's thing was a little extra, um, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't want the away team's player on my floor after the game. Like, go to your own gym and work on your free throws. I think it's one thing, and you don't see this. Like, you don't see it being an issue if Harold is out there. That's his own home court. Like, like that's not an issue. I saw this comment I think on Twitter today. It was like, oh, you didn't see like no one's out there like blocking him. Well, that player was on his own home floor. So like, if Giannis was doing that in Milwaukee he would probably be patient with that person or that person isn't going to the hoop at that moment to on the ladder. Right. You know what I mean? I think it's silly. It's stupid. I, it won't be a storyline in five days. So yeah. Really want. So I'll probably have to clip this one a little bit quicker than all the other ones, but um, I think this is, this is weird on so many different levels. Kind of like you said, the fact that they're on, Philly's home floor is like, all right, Giannis, he kind of, there's no real way to defend Giannis in this moment, especially when like you're dealing with like employees of the stadium or like, like whoever they are, I don't know exactly who they were, but it's like, you're not, it's not like directly related to the team uh, in that sense. So I, I, it, it was weird to see him kind of like throw the ladder. <laughs> um, uh, another thing uh, I, I think this is kind of, Montrez's thing that he does similar to some other guys in the league he kind of brings a little bit of a a nastiness to him that like he's a little bit of a uh likes to mess with people's heads and like one of those players that you love to have on your team but you hate to play against one of those guys so it's like hey anything to really kind of stack the chips on the shoulder like sure go ahead and mess with him Uh, now we're gonna have a b for another game like down the line or whatever so you can kind of basically put that in the books that next time these two teams play if montrez harrell's on on the court same time as Giannis, they're probably going to get into a little bit of a chest to chest moment um I don't really know what those guys on the ladder were doing. Um, Some that I, I forget which coach talked to me about this a long time ago, but um, 
I really wish I could play some, but there's always this, like something that I, I thought of when I was a player and things that you just kind of hear and learn and understand it was like, Oh yeah. Like I had a really bad, like shooting night. Like I really just want to get home, get back to the gym and put up all those shots that I missed. But when that happens, aren't you kind of just showing that you don't really work on that adequately enough in your normal routine, you know, and I, I'm not going to sit here and accuse Giannis of anything. Cause he's like, uh, one of, if not the like best players on the planet right now, like unbelievable, but it is always weird to me when guys go to the gym specifically after a game to work on that, you know, cause like you have an off, especially when it's like a shooting thing. It's like, if you just have an off shooting night and I know free throws are a little bit different, but to me in that moment, you're kind of just saying that you don't work on free throws normally enough. And that this one just kind of like sent you over the edge. Maybe you just build it into your routine a little bit more, you know, like why then, why that moment, why on their court? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe this isn't the greatest example of that, but um, I, that's, that's always been something that's been weird to me of a player like, Oh man, I just missed a few corner threes and I really need to get back in the gym and work on that. It's like, are you not working on it now then? Like, do you have to wait until you miss all those to go work on your game? Um, I don't know. I, maybe that's not the best example for this situation, but I always find that weird. Um, and maybe that's just like, uh, they go to the gym to I clear your head. Um, and, and that was something for me, like I, anytime I got really frustrated after a game or I'm just frustrated in general, basketball is a very good escape for me. So like, if it's going to the gym and just to escape and like, Hey, you happen to work on your game. Great. But if it's like a, I don't know, it feels like you're trying to make up for lost time and you're like correcting your, your own regiment. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Um, it makes perfect sense. And I'm indifferent about it because I think that it depends on who it is and what their true reason is. That's true. Um, like, like you said, I think sometimes that's almost therapeutic for, for players. It also like, maybe it leaves a good taste in your mouth. Like after, you know, like, Oh man, I had a rough night shooting the ball, but um, I just got to get a feel for it again. And that doesn't mean that they won't do something the next day. I also think this, this might be, a little bit of a weird take i think sometimes it's for show like hey i'm working on my game a lot of you cameras know, like, in the stadium i want you to see this da, 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 da. and i don't think that's what Giannis is doing i don't i don't think that i think i think people and players do that though so that's why i'm indifferent i think it honestly has to do with like the individual themselves and no one really knows always what the true reason is but um yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh overall really weird, really weird video to see especially coming from Giannis because we don't we don't really see anything other than him saying his like dad jokes or him trying to like take his teammates shoes off to give them his new shoes like like funny <laughs> stuff like that. Like he's he's just such an awesome character off the floor that that was very out of character from what we've seen uh from the outside looking in. Um <laughs> So last episode that we published, we talked about our our um, our predictions for the year, our thoughts for the year, teams that we thought would be really good. Obviously, we predicted the Blazers being number one in the West and the Jazz being number two. Obviously, we called it check, but also don't check the tape. Um, what do you think about these teams getting out to such a hot start so early? And do you think it's sustainable for either of those teams? Obviously not the, the one and two seed, but to remain in the mix. Um, 
I don't think it's sustainable for Portland specifically. However, given the season that my Lakers are having, I love that the local team is playing well because it still gives me something to be excited about. Um, yeah, uh, I, I question how sustainable it is for Portland um, just because I, I feel like they don't have very good depth. But I also don't question like Lillard's ability to carry a team. Um, and Simons is playing great. Jeremy Grant has been great. Um, and we've talked about this on it before. And I'm just going to be honest. Nurkic is so overpaid. It's ridiculous, dude. He's like last in the league. I think I saw a stat yesterday. I think he's shooting like 53% within like three or four feet of the basket. And he just got like a, another contract this last year. I'm like, dude, stop paying the guy to be so mediocre. Now he's not even mediocre. He's last. What are you talking about, dude? He called Kevin Durant small. That's Isn't he whatever. super good like, because he did that? It's just so I for I don't know. I think that's why they're not sustainable. I don't think they have all the pieces to be sustainable. However, I'm more than happy if it if they were. Um, Utah is really interesting. Because Utah is just like a bunch of young guys that are playing with like no restraints and they're just like playing basketball. Um, and I just, I feel like they have a team that can kind of be like a, kind of like a Cleveland last year. And I know they have some of those players that were on that. I was going to say that half of the roster is, right? but yeah. They have the roster basically. Um, so that's what makes it interesting. I, I feel like they might have a little bit more of a chance to be in that middle of the pack in the West. I feel like they're not gonna, I don't think that they will be the one seed. Like there's so much more basketball to be played and you have teams that are built to be like top dogs in the West that just aren't playing well yet. Um, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be really interesting to see. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think I feel, uh, almost like a genius because I drafted Lori Markinen really high for fantasy basketball. Oh so gosh. he's been absolutely lighting it up for me. So I, I feel really good about my, my understanding of the league at this point. Um, no, I, I don't think these two teams sustain it, obviously not in the, the one and two seed. Um, yeah, the jazz are really interesting and I, it'll obviously be very telling once we kind of get um, a little bit closer to that halfway point, because it's like, Oh, okay. Jazz, you, like for all the teams that were, um, you know, resting their guys a little bit more against them or not really taking them too seriously. It's like, okay, now we've had half a season of film of seeing that you guys are pretty good. Now we're actually going to like play um, kind of a thing. And so it'll be interesting to see how both Portland and uh, the jazz hold up, um, you know, cause it seems like at this point it's like, okay, they kind of caught a few teams by surprise. So how are the, you know, the other teams going to respond to them the next game that they play. Um, sure. but I, I think the other interesting thing about the jazz is that they have like 20 first round picks for the next like five years because they I know least Minnesota, uh, Minnesota. And then they got so much draft capital from, uh, Cleveland when they got, uh, Sexton, uh, Markinen and all those picks for, um, for Mitchell, which is just like, I mean, cause you look at their roster and they're really not that bad. They're just filled with, yeah. yeah, really similar to the Cavs last year where it's like, hey, there's some really good young players 
that they're just they're good they're you know solid nba guys which is obviously very good but um yeah no no mega stars but dang you have like so many number one picks to choose from to maybe get one right or even just use those picks to go get another superstar and plug it in you know yeah. so that that'll be yeah. interesting um i don't think portland's going to sustain much of this i think they're built better than they have in the past by being uh i think like defensively you can kind of see that with guys yeah. like grant where they're they they have all of the prototypes of what a good defensive team would be um uh, I don't think Nurkic is incredibly like monstrous at holding down the paint by any means, but he's not bad, but they're filled with so many long lanky wings that are athletic. And that's what you need. <laughs> um, I'm not a big Nurkic fan. And that's not because he talked trash to Kevin Durant. That was probably the best thing that's happened. In, you know, that week to him is that he got to, he got to call Kevin Durant small. Good for you. He would run laps around you in every other category. So good for you, Nurkic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, this is a this is a conversation we're gonna have to get into another time, um, but I have a little bit of a beef with Portland just in how they've wasted <laughs> like Lillard's whole career. It's one of those situations where like I'm I'm a I'm a Blazers fan, but I think uh, I don't know how this would be received with other Blazers fans. I would be happy for Lillard to get somewhere else where they would actually surround him with pieces that would be helpful, and you could have a chance at winning a title. I would be happy for him to get out of Portland. And because I, I, I hate to see um, a talent like his that I think would be appreciated a little bit more somewhere else, obviously because they've done nothing to help him to help their team actually be legit in this league where you need multiple they stars. Waited. They, they waited, waited way, way too, too long. long. And I, I think the Warriors really solidified this for me where um, there's not a hard cap on how much you can spend on your team. It's just how much of that cap you're willing to spend and then pass that of like, Hey, there's some extra profits for those who own the team that they can hold on to, or they can overspend and then they can actually get some good players and they can actually contend for titles. That's something that I have yeah. like, like we're going to have to get into this a different time because I have a lot to say on this, but that is something that frustrates me so much to being a Portland fan and seeing someone like Loder, where it's like, Hey, thanks for like giving us hope all these years. But like, kind of a dying hope because we know that you can't do it by yourself. That'd be a really good topic for us to go into because I think it gets really deep because you start to get into business a little bit and like the business side of NBA. Now you got to yeah. make money decisions. Um, yeah. Quick uh, thing I would like to flex really quick. Um, if you look at the rookie of the year leaderboard, Benedict Matherin is number one right now, um, which is my sleeper pick. Keep it up. Okay, I got his stats right here. Even though we um, both picked Paulo. <laughs> we did, but my sleeper is 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 great right now. Um, 19.6 points per game, 45% from the floor, 44% from three. Um, yeah, it's looking great. Keep it up. Okay. That would be that'd be so great. Um, at the end of the season, you know, to clip back to my sleeper pick. Um, let's go. I love it. I'll uh, I'll clip it. I'll clip it. I'll make sure to you know hype <laughs> you up a little bit. Um, we got like a minute thirty left before it cuts us off, so I want to make sure that we're aware of that. Uh, is there anything else you want to get off your get off your chest before you get cut off again? <laughs> it seems like you always do. It's always me. No, um, I I feel like Golden State is gonna put it together. Um, 
that's a team that's been struggling, but they had a win last night um, against New York. That's not a great win or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, Shots I feel fired, like that's a geez. team that people aren't going to assume too quickly that the, the dynasty is over. Just be patient. All they got to do is make the playoffs. Um, and right now they're in a position to where I think that they have a lot of time to get there still, um, be successful. So yeah, that'd be my last thing. Don't panic Sweet. too early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quickly before it kicks us off real quick. Um, I think it just shows how hard it is to repeat as champions because when mm -hmm. you get a championship, that's when all of your supporting players can go to other teams and say, Hey, I have championship pedigree. So pay me. And obviously they lost like four really key, key players for them. And I think it's showing, um, uh, but yeah, they'll bounce back. They'll be fine. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 22 of the player to coach pod. Peace. <laughs>